and welcome to Be More Burt, the podcast celebrating lives lived differently. Why Burt? Well, it's because we're brought to you by Burt's Bees, the natural skincare brand whose founder, Burt, was a pioneer of the good life. Burt's Bees encompasses everything we want to champion in this series, doing more of what makes you happy, building connection and community, and inspiring you to tread your own path. I'm Pandora, and I'm a journalist and broadcaster and your host for this series. For this episode, I'm so excited to be joined by Elizabeth Uva-Benene, founder of the journaling app Storia World, author of five books and a columnist for Grazia. Elizabeth, I'm so pleased to be speaking with you again. The last time I interviewed you was for Slay in Your Lane, which feels like it was the beginning of this huge creative journey. You've done so much since then, but let's start with that book. What inspired you to co-write Slay in Your Lane with Yomi Adegoke? Yeah, it's been such a long time. So I was working in a corporate workspace and I was obviously a young black woman and I wasn't sure exactly if I wanted to be in that environment. And I looked at my boss and I was like, am I going to be allowed to thrive in that sort of like very restrictive environment? I was the only young black woman in that, but I was young as well. I was the youngest person in the team. So essentially for me, it was asking the world questions around where is my place within this corporate structure? I didn't really see many people who looked like me in the leadership team. So I started to question if this is the route that I wanted to go down. And alternatively, at that point, my best friend Yomi was working, she's a journalist, and she was working at Channel 4 and very different environments, but we were encountering challenges um, that we attributed to being, you know, young black women in very different spaces. So we decided to work together to essentially not only focus about work, but talk about the different parts of what it, what it means to be a young black woman navigating different spaces in Britain. And I think what really made the book really special was wasn't just our voices. We were able to kind of bring other very influential black women and who are much older than us as well as a form of like mentorship and guidance and asking them essentially how they slayed in their own lane. The book was a success and it obviously changed both of your careers. It cemented you as a thought leader. Um, and you've since written four more books, which must be, is that a book a year? <laughs> you know, it's book a year. I was, I was going for You're that gonna whole... You're going to keep this up? Like Serena Slam, you know, she's <laughs> just got her, you know, five, five, she's got more than five slams, but you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, so I published like four books after that and I definitely didn't go into writing Books as something that I wanted to do. It just naturally, naturally happened. And we've done things from, you know, publishing a children's book um, called The Offline Diaries Around Friendships um, to I published a book in the midst of lockdown called The Reset, Changing How We Work and Live. So yeah, things have just kind of snowballed into really, really big things. So all the books you've published have been non-fiction books? Apart from one, Offline Diaries, which the is a children's offline book. Offline Diaries, yeah. okay. Yeah. And... Do you always have an idea up your sleeve for the next one? I probably know the next five. You know what? I think it's because I'm just always inspired and I'm always, I'm very curious. So I'm always mm. asking questions of the world and my place in it. And, you know, I think it's very, I'm inspired by people. So I'm, I've always, you know, and I'm inspired by people's stories and my experiences and the challenges that I experience as well, my friends. So there's always like a book on this, a book on that. But I've kind of just, taken a step back from doing that at the moment and just trying to they always say in order to in order to write well you have to live and I felt like I was just writing and publishing and not living. And is that where Storia app comes in? That's yeah. part of the living life. Tell us a little bit about the app that you launched. I'm building a journaling app that helps 
bring people together, which is quite unusual because journaling is something you do quite in solitary and you're just doing it by yourself. It's a very individual pursuit. But when I was looking at the, the stats around, you know, loneliness and the lack of community that we feel and the fact that we are living in the most you know loneliest era but we are, we, we are meant to be very connected but we feel very disconnected yeah. what i believe around um, the power of journaling it can help us belong with our own personal narratives and our stories um and there's something really beautiful around that because you're able to foster understanding and empathy and i really believe that the world could do with much more empathy and understanding amongst people. So our approach is really about bringing people together. If you're on this app, you're on there for a reason. It isn't just like a, I think other social media spaces have become a town hall. And I think with Story, it's much more of a home. And when people say, what's my, you know, really grand vision with Story, it's to, you know, wherever you, wherever journey you're on, there are others as well. And you can seek inspiration from that as well. Obviously the tech startup scene can be a pretty difficult work environment. Yeah. There's all sorts about that. Do you feel like your work and your learning through writing Slay in Your Lane has prepared you for a very male, white industry? I wish it did. I think my corporate background has prepared me more <laughs> because um, there's a lot of masculine energy mm. and it's very different. There's not a lot of black women who are running tech startups or building. Mm. I also was able to raise money for it, which is very difficult for, yeah, if you look at the funding yeah. um, landscape, like black women get literally the crumbs. So being able to raise money for this idea was amazing but it's a very different space. And I always say the difference, one of the main differences between the publishing space and the startup scene is in publishing, you are positively reaffirmed every day because you've got, you know how it goes, you've got your editor who tells you your work is brilliant. She's, everyone's very much behind you. However, in the startup scene, you're kind of met with a lot of resistance. People will tell you why you can't do something. Or why you don't need that app. Exactly. Right, yeah. We don't believe in this. Or are you the right person to believe in? Are you the right person to bring this to life? Or there's, it's, of, it's very different. So you have to build a level of conviction about the vision and why you're doing it. And it's most the, the difference for me because in publishing, it's you reaffirm positively. But in startup scene, it's very male dominated and it's much more, yeah, you can't do this. You have to kind of reaffirm yourself. Do you look at Slaying Your Lane though and you feel really proud that that's where kind of, that's where all this started? Absolutely. I, I think that when we came up with the idea, when we were just like, you know, fresh graduates in the workplace would never be able to imagine that we would be right, you know, the impact that we had. I'm going back to my old workplace on Wednesday to deliver a talk and um, it's just so, it's yeah, a lot, there's loads of full circle moments. Um, but I think impact and just delivering value has just been the central thesis around the way I like to work. And I've always just had this feeling of, for me, I don't really care about the visibility that comes with things, it's the impact that I like to focus on. So when I, I'm on a train, I see someone with our book or when, so, I don't really care if they're like, oh, you're the person who wrote it. I just care that you're reading it or you're interacting with it. And so cool to sit out in the wild. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, you really encapsulate the Burt's ethos of if you can dream something, make it. Do you have any advice on starting and building your own company? Building a company is very, very difficult. So you have to have a level of conviction in why. And that could be, I think there should be a better this or that, whatever it is. So I think you have to start with your why. You have to have a real personal conviction about 
why you are doing this, why you are getting up every morning to put yourself through a lot of stress sometimes. You know, when things don't go your way, you need that resilience to kind of like push through. So being intentional about what your why is, is really, really powerful. And your why is really important as well when you're, even if you, you know, for your customers, if it, you know, for investors, for your team, everybody needs to be singing from the same hymn sheet. And it's never going to be because we're just building an app or you're building a lipstick or whatever it is. It's, more, it's about what's the greater purpose. I also think that you have to be curious because curiosity leads to questions, leads to insights. And you really have to understand what is it about the way you see the world that is going to ladder up into a change in the way people behave, the way business is done. So I think that you really have to be like lead with insights. Finally, don't allow fear to stop you. It looks like everybody is very fearless, but it's that's not reality. If you're not scared, your dream isn't probably big enough. So it has to scare you a little bit. But when you feel that, you have to push through by just having courage. I don't think I'm the most like, oh my God, you know, fearless person, but I am courageous. I use my voice and I use my mind in order to create things. And I think it comes from, well, if no one's doing it, well, I will. And I think that's always been the thread in terms of the way I've created. So don't be afraid to push through the fear, have courage, but ultimately don't be afraid to be seen trying because everybody's trying. Do you think it's really important to have failures along the route? Have you tried to build, obviously story is an example of success, but is there anything that you've tried to build and had to go, you know what, this isn't working? Absolutely. And life's a journey. And it's all about the lessons you collect along the way. It's not about the destination. I think we're sold the destination through a lot of different mediums. Yeah. And even like fairy tales when we're young, it's all about what happened at the end. But we forget that there's like, you know, the trials, the mishaps, the errors. Those are the things that really make you who you are. When, you, when you're at a dinner table and you're doing small talk, like reality is it's the, the things that will connect you with someone are the things that you're probably not speaking about, are the lessons that you've learned along the way because what I'll learn along the way will be a story that I'll be able to share with people, either through a book, whatever medium, maybe in five years time, I'll, you know, we'll do this again. And then I'll be telling you something <laughs> That'd else. That'd be good. So it's just a lesson. And I think for me, it's all about the regret of not trying. You think you would regret not trying more than you're scared of the failure? So one of the stories that when I raised my money earlier this year, I, there was this issue with the banks. So um, the bank that I was banking with, it got bailed out by the government. So at one point, lots of like startups funds just literally went missing overnight. So the money was in the account. Yeah. So the money fully came into the account on like on a Wednesday evening. And then my investor called me at like Thursday morning, just saying that there's, you know, there's issues with the bank. I would suggest pulling out the money. Wasn't able to do it in time. And then by Friday, you just weren't able to access. And I remember one of my, I remember oh thinking, yes. Yeah. And it affected like loads of startups in the UK as well as in America. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I've been a CEO for like five minutes. That's sad. Like I remember thinking, oh my God, that's really annoying. Good book title though, The Five Minute CEO. Oh my God. Do you know why I've always said that's how I'm starting my next book? It's going to be one minute there was, the, there was money and the next minute there wasn't. Yeah. And then I know how I'm starting. We don't know how it's going to end up. <laughs> but um, I remember thinking, being annoyed because, not because of my own personal need to build this business, but because I felt, well, stories should exist. Even if I didn't build it, it should exist. So I definitely think that, you know, you have to, 
it, it is that feeling. It's a clarifying of, moment. Yeah, it really was a clarifying moment. And it kind of was just like, well, I'm going to try. And depending on how it ends up, like, I'd rather have, you know, said that I built something. And people always say, you know, as long as you're using your own product and you really believe in it, you're using it every day, then that's the most important thing. Build something for your friends, start with one and many will come. We'll chat some more in a sec, but before that, I'm going to take a moment to share the love story behind Burt's Bees. Along with his partner, Roxanne, Burt didn't just pioneer a natural skincare company, he pioneered a way of life, the good life. He realised something, if you go your own way and make more time for what makes you happy, you'll lead a richer life. So he did just that, leaving his high-flying Manhattan job to live at one with nature. In the wilderness of Maine, he got friendly with some bees. Together, they turned beeswax into lip balms, hand creams and more. Bert has shown us that if you love something, don't be scared to jump in, even if it can sting you. Because doing more of what makes us happy is what life is all about. We've been out and about asking you how you live the good life and do the things that you are passionate about. And here's what you have to say. Reading my books and just chilling. I like going climbing sometimes. You get a sense of achievement from it, which I think after uni, you don't get achievement very often in life and validation so that's quite nice i think it's like a good exercise for your body and also for your mind lots of the time exercise can be a bit mindless but with climbing there's like problem solving and stuff involved so thank you for sharing and feel free to get in touch on tiktok or instagram to tell us how you live the good life at burt's bees uk with the hashtag be more burt You also have a bi-monthly column, Grazia. Yes. Uh, which, again, I think really encompasses what I was mentioning earlier, how I think that you really speak about creativity, but you also speak about business. You're very yeah. pragmatic yeah. in your approach. As someone who people come to for advice on confidence and career building, what do you do when you have a wobble of confidence? Who do you go to? Do you reread your own columns? Yeah. Or do you have kind of a... Do you have like your network of go-tos, people, places, things to get you back on track? Absolutely. No woman is an island, you know, behind every amazing woman. Um, there are Ten more great women. Exactly, behind them. Their moms, their best friends and whoever it is. So definitely, I think when I, gosh, what am I doing? This feels very overwhelming. Definitely phone call to my best friend. It's like we end up talking about, you know, life and men and just dating, just whatever it is. And then we and it just it grounds me. I think you have to have you have to be very intentional about the things that ground you. So for me, going on walks, speaking to my best friend. I know it sounds really you like this is why journaling is, you know, being able to just kind of look back. So I look, I look, I'll go through my journals, either like the ones I've written years ago or the ones so I have on my have phone. Them all. Yeah, I really do. And I look back and I was like, oh my God, I actually thought the world was gonna end at this point. It didn't, okay. And we move on. So I definitely think that in order to kind of move forward with things, I mean, when you're having that wobble, you have to be reflective and look at where you are now and how far you've come. Because when you're on the internet for a bit too long, you will feel as if you're not enough because there are so many different things going on in terms of like everyone's killing it everyone so you you feel like a bit alone and I think that that's why I'm building Storia because I really believe that like there's a real belonging crisis I think that mm. understanding that everyone's going through a journey is something that you know we're presented a lot with the finished product we don't realize that there are 
so many trials, tribulations, errors, self-doubt, lack of confidence um, along the way. So I think that being able to, you know, come on an app that's like this and say, well, I'm an entrepreneur, I want to build a business one day and been able to connect with other people and understand their insights, where they are today, is super powerful. So it's just, yeah, really important to kind of ground yourself, make sure you have a, a network of people who know you mm. and um, look back at how far you've come. Your output is prodigious. I wondered, how do you avoid burning out? I think that everyone's version of burning out is very different. And bandwidths are really different, I've come to realise. Yeah. And I think as well, just being honest with yourself, because my, so I think that we use burnout a lot of the time these days as a way to describe feeling anxious, feeling depressed. I think it's become a euphemism for, you know, some of the feelings that we actually feel because I think well we kind of we can accept oh I'm feeling burnout so it's kind of like it feels more umbrella and then under it there's all these different things that we're actually feeling mm -hmm. and it's a st even though we would, we would like to feel like you know depression is is um, something that way more spoken about and more accepted I think yes however I think there are still barriers because when you tell someone you're depressed people don't know how to sometimes react but, mm -hmm. but I, so I I've noticed that culturally we use burnout as a real umbrella term to describe not feeling just 100 percent yeah so I tend to when I feel but I think for me burn, burnout comes down to apathy that's like my telltale sign when I can't be bothered when I feel just like a lackluster of life mm -hmm. um that for me isn't a nice I always say it's when I feel like a sim when I'm just doing things on autopilot and I'm just like in the motions and that's just not me like I I'm I like to be enthusiastic I like to feel like you know I like to be passionate and when I just feel like yeah yeah yeah, yeah just getting through it doesn't feel like me what does do more of make you happy mean to you I mean I think it sounds like you're quite good at doing more of what makes you happy what do you reckon mm, doing more that makes me happy using my voice I think that and speaking up and standing up for myself. So what that looks like is not being afraid to challenge the status quo, to kind of look into the world and say, well, why doesn't this exist? Who is like, I think that's always been something that makes me happy. Worked in environments where things didn't make sense. And I would just be like, are we doing it in this way? Like, what's the process? And when someone says to me, because it's always done that way, it always leaves yes. me unsatisfied. Yes. Because if I'm not asking questions and I'm not curious, then I'm a little bit like living life on autopilot. Like I want to be like, oh, why is it like that? Ooh. Like, do you know what I mean? So um, doing more that makes me happy is really about being curious and um, using my voice. What advice would you have to someone who says, you know, I want to ask lots of questions, but I'm seen as difficult when I do. How is there a way of asking those questions or is it just about knowing that you've got every right to ask those questions and that curiosity is a, is a strength, not an inconvenience? That's a very good question because that's something I'm still adjusting to um, myself in a different scene. I've got a developer that I've hired and sometimes I'm not technical, so I don't understand intricacies yeah. of like certain things. So one of the things, sort of two things I do when it comes to being curious and asking questions that make making sure helps the other person feel comfortable is ask, say, leading from, help me understand. When you kind of lead from like, oh, help me understand this, help me understand. It's not like, why isn't this? Why, it doesn't That's feel a very good tip. 
Yeah. This phrasing, I think, is everything, isn't it, in yeah. communication like 100%. that? 100%. So it's very much helped me understand, um, like, that's something that I've had to be more intentional about when I'm asking my developer, you know, a particular question so he doesn't feel like, oh, God, she da 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 Taking people on the journey with you. I remember I used to find things very difficult when I was, like, um, a graduate. And one of my bosses said to me, the reason why you're you know, you're finding doing your work very difficult it's because you're not taking people along the journey with you. So in order to kind of ask questions and get in buy-in, it's presenting your challenge in a way that's like, this is how I'm seeing things mm-hmm. um, and taking them along the journey around, well, this is where I would like to be. How can I help you do be better at what you're doing? To finish, we're asking all our guests what living the good life means to them. What does it mean to you? Living the good life <laughs> means um, being intentional. I think that being intentional in how I show up around like my friendships, my business, and not living life on autopilot. I think it's really important for me to feel like I am in the driving seat of my life and not a passenger. I love that. I find I'm, I'm going to go and journal it. Yeah, and I love again, it. I've got so many bits from you as well, so you're going to find yourself <laughs> in my journal um, as well. Good. Thank you for listening to Be More Burt, the podcast all about celebrating lives lived differently. And thank you to my guest today, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Keep listening for more episodes. They're all available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get a sec, please give us a follow and a like. And of course, we want to hear from you. If you would like the chance to win a year's supply of Burt's Bees, tell us how you live the good life by sharing your story with us on TikTok and Instagram at Burt's Bees UK using the hashtag BeMoreBurt. For terms and conditions and all the info, head over to www.bemorebert.co.uk. See you next time.